State Champs Nation, Lauren Plant here. Before we get to this podcast, I just wanted to bring you a quick programming note. The State Champs Sports Network is expanding our podcast programming. In order to make it easier for you to listen to the podcast you want to listen to, we wanted to break them all out. You can find each of our podcasts on your favorite podcast platform, from Apple and Google Podcasts to Spotify and so many more. If you're a State Champs super fan, you want to listen to them all, you don't have to to change a thing. We'll still be posting everything in this feed. Now, on with the podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the State Champs Michigan Extra Point Podcast presented by Lawrence Tech. Hey, the Blue Devils are recruiting 200 student-athletes to join them next fall. Nearly 30 NAIA sports to choose from, including football, but there are new varsity sports like men's volleyball, competitive cheer and dance, men's and women's track and field, many more. Recruit yourself at ltuathletics.com. Just click the Recruit Yourself link, fill out the very short questionnaire, and a coach will respond back to you within 48 hours. The Michigan Extra Point Podcast also brought to you by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. I will have information regarding the 200 scholar athlete $1,000 scholarships the MHSAA is awarding to athletes. That's coming up a little later in the program. Hungry Howie's also a sponsor. We'll talk to Michigan Mr. Football and Amble Award near the end of the show. Scott Bernstein, Matt Mowry with me. Gentlemen, Michigan is on pause for at least three weeks. Before we get into it, Mark Ewell held a presser for the media on Monday. Here's a bit of his opening remarks. Let's listen to it, and then we'll talk about it on the flip side. Our plan in all of our fall tournaments is those are suspended. They are not canceled. Um, Going back to, you know, I spoke to many of you back in June, and uh, our goal as we started off this uh, new athletic year was that we were going to find a way to have uh, three seasons in 2020-21. We were going to find out a way to make sure that each of those three seasons culminated with a finish during 20 and 21. And uh, certainly with the latest uh, curveball that uh, all of us, every citizen in Michigan got last night is we're heading into a, really a, uh, another three week, uh, very similar to the shelter in place from uh, last winter and spring. Um, our goals and our plans have not changed. So do know that uh, fall tournaments are suspended Obviously, winter sports are in that same boat. What we're going to do is uh, we're meeting with our board of directors on Wednesday this week. That's our uh, 19-member board of school personnel, the representative council. And what our goals on Wednesday will be is to create updated schedules. So hopefully on Wednesday, uh, after our board meets, we'll be able to share what will be the schedule uh, for swimming finals, what will be the schedule Uh, for the last three rounds of volleyball and what will be the uh, schedule for the last two and three rounds as it deals with football. What I can tell you is that for all of our three sports, we will have a plan um, that completes those tournaments in the calendar year 2020. Um, Certainly for us to to try and uh, push back uh, later into the spring from right now, we're going to take the emergency order at its face value. We're going to wait until uh, December the 8th. Hopefully our numbers get to a point to where we can resume practice and competition. And uh, we'll try and get those uh, three fall tournaments uh, completed uh, by January the 1st. Winter sports, same things. Uh, uh, The board will ring in on that on Wednesday. Um, Once the uh, three-week period is over, 
We'll then try and uh, set a date to where practices can restart and then also look at uh, setting competition schedules and uh, um, what uh, possibly winter tournaments could look like from there. So, uh, All right. So that was just a little bit of the MHSA executive director, Mark Ewell's opening uh, remarks as he talked to the media on Monday uh, to go over, uh, you know, what he called the curveball that came from uh, Governor Whitner, Whitmer on uh, Sunday night at six o'clock. So um, basically, we are on pause right now. Uh, and we I think we all kind of knew this was coming. It was just a matter of when I was hoping that it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could have read the tea leaves and, and been paying attention to the, the numbers spike uh, with the COVID-19 in the last month or so. But I guess my mindset was since we had kind of got it out of the gate in the playoffs that we weren't going to be disrupted by this. But obviously I was, you know, living in a in a kind of a land of delusion. <laughs> well, you know, Matt, I was... I'm comforted in the fact knowing that all high schools now will be virtual uh, so that they can kind of, you know, quarantine themselves, get themselves ready, realize what's, you know, is not taking place right now and, and hopefully then forcing everyone to really take a hard look at it and make sure you're doing the right thing uh, so that we can get back and, and finish this thing out. Uh, but, you know, it kind of is what it is. And, um, you know, let's just hope that uh, we can get things going again here and, and, and get the fall sports finished before the end of the year. Uh, our producer Chuck and I were talking a little before, and if this goes into January, then that's when things just get real muddy. Yeah, and I think a lot of the discussion after opening statement on the press conference was kind of, you know, trying – yeah, after the initial – opening statement uh, by Mark Ewell during his pre press conference, a lot of the questions in the back and forth was kind of trying to hammer out what the details of, of how, you know, the season is going to begin and, and how the fall season is going to end. And uh, really until they have that meeting, you know, on Wednesday, th those plans are still going to be kind of unclear. Mark didn't really have a definitive answer other than to tell us that their plan is to finish out these these seasons they don't want to have a situation like last winter where you know kids are partway through the playoffs and then they just have to drop it um but the, but the discussion was what happens if this you know if if december 8th is not the pickup point and it starts to creep back into december well you know we got to have a holiday break in there and then are we about like you said are we back into january then so it's going to be it's going to be they're going to have to come up with like they did in the summer they're going to have to come up with plan a and plan b and plan c and kind of have you know, different contingencies in place, but everything points to right now, they're going to try to finish that up. There was even a discussion, and I know this became a point of discussion on, on um, Twitter a little bit is, okay, well, the, the you know, the, the uh, order doesn't go into effect until Wednesday. Could we still have gotten some stuff out of the way on Tuesday to kind of finish as much up, you know, because volleyball quarterfinals were supposed to be on Tuesday. And Mark admitted that they'd had some of those same kind of discussions internally. But what he said was the optics of that, you know, considering how kind of massive a shift this is for everybody, the optics of just kind of plowing ahead and, and playing another of, of athletics it really wasn't good. And it would have been kind of very, 
responsible for that. Also, it I know I know almost jokingly there were some football players going, "Hey, we could play Monday and we could play Tuesday and we could you know we could be down to semifinals by Wednesday." But you know, realistically, that was not something that the MHSA was going to do. Yeah, there was like hey, we could do a volleyball tournament all in one day. We right. could do, we could get this whole thing done in one day. Yeah, they're they're uh, they're not going to do that uh, clearly at this point. Uh, but I'll tell you what. The uh, after they have this meeting on Wednesday, I'm going to try to set something up with Mark Ewell and state champs can do a, uh, you know, dive. a deep dive and a real interview and, and talk to him about that, that we can get out uh, to the public. I, I, I'm just worried about the logistics uh, and I, I'm not. And I say this with all due respect to, to Mark Ewell and the MHSAA, who I think are doing an amazing job at just kind of <laughs> adjusting on the fly, which they've been having to do now for eight, nine months. And I don't think there's any uh, malice or, or any, you know, intention to deceive. But and just talking about from a, from a football angle. So we're on a pause for, for three weeks and these kids can't practice. And then we, we, we take the, the lid off the pause on December 8th. And then you expect these kids to be playing that weekend. That's not going to happen. Well, so you're going no, to have to have at least another week. Yeah to prepare if and if I was a coach I'd probably want 2 weeks to prepare but let's say you have another week to prepare so then you're pushing the regionals then into like the the days before christmas i yeah. I, I just i really worry about the logistics of this um at least in terms of football for football yeah and it's then, different and then if you do push it in past or if you do push uh the the conclusion of the of the football season past new years then you're going to have the issue where a lot of these scholarship kids uh and you know it's been trending more in this direction as the years go by the early enrollees are leaving in in december and going to enroll in college in january so i know with west bloomfield at the very least this the number i'm about to to throw out doesn't even uh take into account donovan edwards their number one player but they have three other players that are set to enroll after christmas so i I, yeah competitive balance is going to be uh at issue if you continue the playoffs into the new year and a lot of the better teams have lost a lot of their better players. Well, that was an actual, actually a point of discussion during the press conferences. Okay. Well, once we, you know, once we get the, okay. And once the order is lifted, what then do you have a week to kind of reacclimate like we did at the start of, you know, the, the practice sessions in, in, in the summer. And I think that's probably going to be baked in, but you're right. It's, it's going to cram it. And unfortunately, what you may come down to is, okay, well, what, what, what do we want to do here? Do we want to get these games in or do we want to say that this isn't ideal? And you're, you're right. The logistics are going to be – that's going to be the whole – show is how are they going to figure out these logistics and quite honestly I don't it it will be good that they're going to try to get all this done on Wednesday but the, I, I have a feeling that this is going to be an ongoing process over the next couple of weeks to try to hammer out you know how how exactly this is going to work because yeah that holiday and creeping up makes it very, very hard. That's almost a, an artificial lid on how much time you have. Well, with the holidays not being as centrally focused as they normally were, people are doing a lot of traveling. There's nothing saying that we have to play these games on the weekend, right? No. I mean, with in a virtual environment, you can play these games during the week, which, you know, uh, given you can have more days when you count the weekends right. and stuff. So there might be a way to do it, but uh, we'll see. I, I think we, we can – Put a pause on this conversation for well, right now. Can I say one more thing? If I take, if, if uh, you know, we're, we're less than twenty four hours removed from the the decision coming down, and if I can, if there's any solace that I can take, 
and, and can compare and contrast this to last March where we kind of had the rug taken underneath our feet in the middle of the districts was that at least we were able to crown district champions. And let's say worst case scenario, we don't go any further and we can't get this season completed despite all the best efforts for, from the MHSAA, which I know they'll do every, they'll move, you know, hell and high water to get this thing done. Um, but if they can't, at least we can say we, 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 we crown, got nine we, weeks we, and we crowned <laughs> district, and we crowned district champions and there, yeah. there were trophies handed yeah. out and, and kids can, you know, claim they ended their season with a championship as opposed to, you know, ending everything at, at the district finals in basketball mm-hmm. where we were 24 hours away from I crowning know. champions and, and we weren't able to. And that day is when the swim state finals was started. They would have had their swimming championship. Uh, figured out that weekend too as well. So yeah, I agree, but we'll see what happens. We did have a great weekend of football though, that we could talk about on this particular program. And that is what we are going to do. Uh, We are going to reflect on what took place in those said district championships. And uh, what I want to first do is I'm going to read the scores of the games that state champs network covered uh, this weekend in the state of Michigan. So uh, I've got a number of games here that, uh, that we've got highlights for that you can check out right now on state champs, Michigan social channels. Uh, You can also find it uh, on the state champs website, statechampsnetwork.com. So I'll give you these scores and then we could talk about any of these, or you can also bring up games that uh, either you were at or of our particular interest uh, that you would like to um, comment on. So let's start uh, with the games on state champs. In Division says 7, it was uh, Jackson Lumen Christie at Monroe St. Mary Catholic Central, and it was Lumen Christie winning that one 22-6. In Division 3, it was Detroit Martin Luther King at East Point. East Point uh, hadn't won this many games, hadn't been undefeated this long since the mid 60s. Well, it ended in a big fashion with MLK winning 50 to 6. In Division 1, the game that I was at, it was Belleville at Canton, two unbeatens. And on paper, this one should have been a lot closer, uh, but this was all Belleville from the go. And uh, the final score was 53 to 29. Wasn't that close. In Division 2, we had rivalries getting together for the second time this year. Livonia Franklin at Livonia Churchill, and it was the Chargers of Churchill winning that one 36 to 28. In Division 2, Uh, This one, I was really interested to see how how it would work out. It was Portage Northern at East Lansing. Uh, We had a Mr. Football watch guy and Anthony Tyus in one backfield, and we had uh, a wide receiver that we hadn't seen a whole lot of that we were wondering how he was going to perform coming out of a a bye week, and it was all East Lansing. It really was uh, 42-14, to the final in that one. In Division I, another one that uh, we thought could be closer, and uh, we even thought maybe the underdog would challenge in this one and that was Graham Blank at Davison but it was clear that it was the Cardinals who uh, had the upper hand all the way through 48 to 19 the final in division one Woodhaven uh, taking on Cast Tech and it was all Cast Tech 42 to 8 the final in that one division one we had Romeo at Stony Creek this was a game uh, that we were like Look out, Stony Creek's taking on all comers, uh, but something about the Bulldogs, this playoff run has been pretty magical. They win that one uh, in convincing fashion, 45-27. to 27. In Division Three, Marquette came down from the UP to uh, take on Muskegon, and uh, Big Reds win that one big, 47-21. to 21. In eight-player Division Two, it was uh, Cologne and Portland St. Patrick. 
This was a close one, as a lot of these eight-player battles are, especially as you get deeper uh, into the playoffs. Lots of scoring, 44-34 to 34 the final. Portland-St. Patrick wins that one. In Division 8, back to 11-man, Beale City and Johannesburg-Lewiston got together. It was a good game, uh, but it was a home team. Johannesburg-Lewiston winning 28-21. In Division 7, Evart went to uh, Oscoda, and it was Oscoda eking out a win, 38-35 to 35 the final in that one. And lastly, in Division 1 on Saturday, uh, Detroit Catholic Central and Lakeland got together, and Lakeland came in undefeated, felt really good about their position in this one, but uh, the Catholic League Central Division continues to impress outside of Birmingham, Brother Rice, uh, and Catholic Central wins 45-17, to 17, the final in that one. To me, though, uh, in a weird way, the Brother Rice loss kind of speaks to the Rocco Milia campaign yeah. for Mr. Football. You take Rocco out of the equation, and they just lost a lot of swagger and uh, just didn't really have any. Their heart and soul had been taken out of their lineup, and they, they, didn't, they, they didn't really have much to uh, – much. there wasn't much of a punch to pack against Chelsea without, without Rocco in, in the lineup. And credit the Bulldogs. Uh, I mean, they came in, got it done, shut them out. Yeah. Uh, we had talked about the Rice run game and how that had improved. That really didn't have a lot to do with Rocco Mio, though, you know, he, he's obviously somebody you got to look out for on the outside. Uh, but, um, you know, they got it done and they won. He's just the type of guy. Nothing. He's just that, you know, that, yeah. that X factor, no, I hear it you. factor guy that the heart the whole, and soul. Right. The whole team is like feeding off of his energy. Yeah. Regardless of position. Well, you know, Matt, it's interesting. I was trying to pay attention to our picks and I think it was close. I think it came down to, and I haven't really done the official math. I think, you know, because I was looking at you and I uh, in, in comparison with uh, how we, we kind of looked at the whole slate of games. I, I think, you know, in the games we differed, I think there were eight and I think we split on those. Uh, so this was just, you know, one of those weeks that, uh, you know, I think in some cases the team we thought was going to dominate and win did. In other cases, uh, we saw some teams, you know, show that, uh, especially some of the uh, perennial powers. Yeah, my takeaway was that all win, of it, it, even though they had some losses this year. At least when we're talking about Division One. Yes. Uh, you know, the heavyweights. Yes, the heavyweights. The front runners, the, the 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 teams that I would say are the the four teams that are <laughs> that I believe are are um, you know trending the, towards the cream of the crop, trending towards the state uh, semifinals. Yeah, uh, they all they all had statement wins. I mean, they they didn't just come in and, and squeak by. Uh, they came in and and uh, and really put a mark yes. on that district championship game. Um, so I assume you're Bell, talking Belleville, yeah, West Tech, right. Catholic Central, West, West Bloomfield. Bloomfield. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, we didn't even uh, mention West Bloomfield in, Detroit in, the, Catholic Central. in the previous rundown. They were playing Sterling Heights Stevenson. Yeah. You know, uh, again, kind of the, you know, OA or Mac red team versus an OA red team, uh, a team in, and Stevenson that had made a run to the final four last year. Yeah, good team. I expected West Bloomfield to win, but. The, the emphatic nature of that victory, uh, 63-6, it was 56-6 at halftime. Uh, West Bloomfield left no doubt. And uh, an, uh, another um, <laughs> no-doubter was that Donovan Edwards is the best player in the state. And, and, you know, pound for pound, touch for touch, there's nobody that is as electric, as explosive, as game-changing 
as this guy is. Man, is he a special, special player. Six touchdowns, 15 carries, 146 yards, uh, five five rushing touchdowns. He had a, a a catch in the end zone that was like, you know, Randy Moss worthy, where he one-handed a grab in double coverage. Uh, he's taken, you know, half of the snaps at quarterback. It's like, right. what can't he do? Yeah, I think in from my perspective, I think the only surprise really in D1 was the margin of victory in that particular reason, region. I mean, I thought, I think we all thought probably that Stevenson had a very good chance of winning that game. I mean, I think yeah. we probably would have leaned toward Wax Bloomfield. Yes. But I don't think we thought that they were going to get, you know, no. run out of the building. And I think we think, thought the same thing about Romeo and, and Stony, yeah. Creek. Uh, Stony Creek. That, that Stony Creek had, Stony Creek had a legitimate shot of winning that game. I don't think we thought it would be a blowout. Sometimes when a lower division team from either the MAC or the OAA faces off against those red teams, sometimes it can be like that. But considering how well Stony had done in the last, you know, last week against Chip Valley and throughout the season, it, it seemed like that this wasn't a normal I think the margin of victory in that particular region was kind of the only eye-opening thing, really, for me in in D one. I know that our uh, our Anvil Award is closed, right? No, not yet. Oh, well, this well, is the final well, week. Okay, well, I'm I'm just gonna throw one name out there that just impressed me so much uh, for the Romeo Bulldogs, uh, Mike Heldman, their senior defensive end. He's committed to Grand Valley State, and for a defensive end to dominate a game, it, you know, it, it's not as easy uh, from a defensive point of view uh, than, a, than a linebacker or a lineman. But uh, Heldman was all over the place uh, against Stony Creek on Friday, making his, I mean, just set up shop in, in the Stony Creek backfield. He might as well have, like, you know, built a fire and, and, and got the marshmallows and, and graham crackers and Hershey bars and started making s'mores back there. <laughs> uh, he had three sacks, uh, uh, two um, times where he broke into the backfield and, and caught a player for a for lost yardage, two hurries, um, and, and they were all at the most you know timely um, moments in the game. You know, I would say that the turning point in that game was uh, Stony Creek was down, I think, two two scores, uh, maybe it was seventeen points, and it was the early fourth quarter. It looked like Stony Creek could have made a push. And uh, they were making their way downfield. They were just getting past midfield. Heldman breaks into the backfield on a uh, on a bull rush, gets uh, Stony Creek's quarterback Ryan Eckhout from behind, strip sack. His teammate picks it up, goes back for the touchdown, uh, and then the ensuing play on the first uh, first snap of the next possession, uh, Romeo forced another turnover, takes it back for a touchdown, and, it, and that's all she wrote. That Bulldogs defense had six takeaways and really just uh, dominated uh, on the line from from uh, start to finish. Hats off to uh, Coach Renas and, and that bunch over at, uh, in Bulldog land. But uh, Mike Heldman and Weston Jones, uh, they're two – uh, boss hogs on the line. Eldman, as, as I said before, the rush end going to Grand Valley. Weston Jones also had a really good game. He's a lineman. He's going to BYU. He had about half a dozen tackles. And uh, but you know, I hadn't seen Mike Heldman all year. And you know, to me, that I, I, I didn't see his. I, I haven't seen his stats. What he's done for the previous eight games. But to me, that was the definition of what an anvil candidate is about. A player that is 
just making the most impact on every snap he can from the defensive side of the ball. All right. Well, we're definitely going to take a look at him, and uh, we we have an opportunity to add somebody because we had we've had several Anvil candidates not just lose last week but this week as well, uh, which causes us to reevaluate. And again, big game performance, team success. Uh, you know, that's that's a huge part of how we pick our guys, and obviously he's he's right and in there. Bo- so. And Boom Boom Burford, even though he ended his season, uh, you know, brings the curtain down on on 2020 as Oakland County's uh, rushing king. Had 246 in the district semifinal uh, win over Chippewa Valley. Even though they lost, he ran for 240. <laughs> right. So It's kind of like Woodall last that, week running for 286 for in a loss. He ran for 500 yeah. yards in his last yeah. two games as yeah. a high schooler. For a kid that really came out of nowhere. Yeah. I know Burford had a good year last year, but he was he was the second or third option in that, in that rushing attack. And uh, just, you know, really impressive. I hope... Uh, uh, a, a college, either a, you know, an NIA or a Division two come in and, and grab him because he might not. You know, it's another perfect example of one of those kids that might not have all of the tangibles or the measurables. You know, he's only about five nine, a buck seventy five. Isn't super fast. Isn't super big. But he he's he's a player, man. He's a dog. Yeah. He, he's one of those kids that you want going to war with you in the foxhole, uh, rushing the football. And, and I think he would be a great fit for one of those NAIA programs. I think he could be a star. Cool. Well, you talked about the Anvil Award and a guy who does have all the intangibles and does have all the measurables uh, is Damon Payne. And uh, he was bringing the pain in the game that I was at, which was Belleville at Canton going in, uh, you know, definitely contrasting styles when you're looking at, at both teams, Canton running that tight tee and Boy, I tell you, Damon Payne's name was called a lot by the PA announcer and, and Canton runs everything right up front. You know, and that's how things happen uh, with them. That's how holes develop and holes open. And uh, Payne was basically pulled in the middle of the third quarter uh, for the rest of the game. And that's when Canton started to get and they got 20. They're all 29 points were in the second half. It was 34 nothing at the half. But uh, uh, Payne was definitely laying the load. And I'll tell you, uh, you know. Christian Reed, who is, you know, the MHSA single career passing leader. Uh, I'd like to see how close he is getting now to the career all-time passing leader, the Jason Fracasa mark, um, because it's got to be approaching. He threw, uh, he threw four, or he threw, th- I think he threw four in this game. I know he had four touchdowns. Three were through the air. Um, All he does is throw touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, that it, is it. It, it nothing was, more. It was one after the other, right. and the interesting thing too is that it was spread out to uh, all kinds of different talent. Um, you know, I know that uh, Dion Burks, I think, had two touchdowns, including uh, you know a really remarkable. Uh, Didn't Rapley have one too? Rapley scored uh, an unbelievable score. Was done by a uh, freshman whose name is Joseph Stevens. And uh, he just uh, made an incredible wide catch. Receiver? Yeah, wide receiver. Uh, he was there in the third quarter. You know, that made it a 47-7 game. So they're letting some of their guys play. Uh, and, um, you know, and that's when Dewey left the game after that. Uh, but, again, you know, just gets out there. And, again, his his line is so good at protecting him. Uh, Unbelievable field vision. I mean, and great it was playground football, Yeah, you know, that, that you were seeing. Just basically just go out, kind of go out there, clap it out, throw the ball where you want to throw it, and the guys go and get it. At, at night, uh, at nighttime in Belleville, 
Christian Dury does his homework, mm-hmm. brushes his teeth, mm-hmm. and then before he gets in bed, he, he runs out to the front yard and throws a couple <laughs> touchdown passes. Couple, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Deshaun Lee had a great run, uh, 55 yarder to the house that made it 14 0 early, just kind of bowled over a defender coming out of the backfield. Uh, so. Belleville playing well, and it was really fun hearing uh, the conversation at the end uh, when Coach Jermaine Corwell was addressing his team. Uh, Number one, he was pointing over to the Chiefs and saying, that was the last team that beat us at our house, and that was in 2017. He said, we have one rule, we don't lose in the crib. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, they've, you know, unfortunately, we've got this pause because we had a really epic showdown prepared between Cass Tech and Belleville, and Belleville as they were saying it, the, the boys in green, the green guys, that's what they're saying, the green guys uh, were coming up Professor next. versus the pupil. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, we're not going to see that, um, but you're right. At least uh, not right this time. At least not right now. Uh, it is definitely going to, to, to be a pause, they, but the, the powers were made. Have Crowell and Wilcher played each other? Great question. In the last four or five years? Great question. I could look it up Let me look. Uh, while we talk. But uh, If the people don't know, Jermaine Crowell, the head coach at Belleville, uh, got his start, cut his teeth under Wilcher, was kind of Wilcher's right hand for a long time, and then took over the Belleville program, I think it was five years ago. And uh, has turned Belleville into a superpower. Yeah, they have never not, they have not played Cass Tech. Yeah. No, he's 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 up the ante on Cass Tech in terms of uh, blue chip production, and that's that's an impressive on its on its own. Yeah, merit. Yeah, I, I'm already. Yeah, I don't. I I don't know if they've ever played. I don't think uh, they've ever played. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, it's interesting. It's a uh, yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens with that, but. Uh, uh, again, you know, uh, it was a great weekend of football. We had some some really impressive uh, wins, and uh, like I said, you know, when we were talking about our our, our picks. Um, you know, it was very close. You know, in in uh, in the ones at least that uh, that we were looking at. I know Chuck went on a limb on uh, several guys to see if we can win, but um, some interesting other ones of note. Uh, we talked about the <laughs> Catholic League Central Division. Uh, Warren De La Salle blanks Port hey, Huron. Uh, that, re- that regular nothing. season meant nothing. It's like they're playing their best football right now. Coach Ron uh, really putting his mark on the program, putting his imprint. Uh, and, you know, for a guy that I think he won four state championships or three or four state championships in the, in the division four ranks at West Ottawa or no. Catholic. Catholic. West Catholic. West Catholic. Sorry. Yeah, uh, but it's a guy that knows yeah, how to yeah. win in the postseason, yeah. and not that De La Salle needed any tutorials on how to win in the postseason, but you know had a kind of a rough go of it to start, uh, you know his his career uh, in terms of his first regular season. What was their record in the regular season? Wasn't two, good. Two, two and five, something along those lines. Uh, yeah. Two and four. I think yeah. two and four. But yeah. uh, they, they got the wind at their back right now, and and Brett Stanley is is showing why you know he's a, a guy on the watch list for yeah. Mr. Football. Uh, just uh, you know, gritty, gutty runner that uh, you know lays it all on the line every snap, and the kind of kid that when we were talking about um, the type of players that other teammates feed off their energy, um, like with a Rocco Milia, that's what Brett Stanley is for 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 DSL. And how about Oak Park? 
they win again. We kind of knew that was we kind of figured that was coming. Yeah. You know, the, playing a wind out Roosevelt team that uh, I bet, admittedly, they would say they're not as good as they have been in in recent years past. Uh, they're usually uh, the power uh, in Downriver football uh, over the last you know eight or nine years or so. James but, Burnley, there you uh, go again, another kid that's kind of playing his best football. Uh, in the playoffs, he's their uh, Oak Park senior quarterback. And I, I spoke about it, I think, a week or two ago about how the COVID-shortened preseason really, uh, unfortunately, put a lot of first-year quarterbacks behind the eight ball uh, in terms of not giving them the the normal level of preparation that you would have coming into a season. Mm-hmm. And I think Burnley coming over uh, from the secondary under center, um, you know, had some growing pains in, those, in, in the – throughout most of the regular season and has really caught fire uh, in the postseason it is throwing some some laser beams and and threading some needles and really leading that leading that offense doesn't help it doesn't hurt rather when you have uh a, you know a, a future big 10 tailback to hand the ball off to Dave, uh, Davion Prim who again he's playing his best football right now probably helps Prim's cause when you got Rayshon Benny uh, clearing the way, yeah, and then on on the defensive side of the ball, they got Marlon Dawson coming back into the lineup after missing a lot of games. He's the linebacker that's going to Miami of Ohio. But again, uh, and then another thing with you know you got a coach that knows how to win in the postseason. Coach Carter's won multiple state championships in the past, just not at Oak Park. And wouldn't it be crazy if he got his first state championship at Oak Park from an under, or from from a, a regular season where he didn't win a game? Well, yeah, they, they've got a long way to go before we get yeah. there. But, uh, yeah, they'll have when football resumes uh, an interesting matchup with Livonia Churchill uh, in the regionals. Uh, Matt, a couple games I'd like you to comment on. Uh, Davison all over Grand Blank uh, and really just dominating. And also, uh, you know, a great matchup with East Lansing and Portage Northern. And although Anthony Tyus, you know, he did break one. And uh, for the most part, he they held him in check pretty good, and uh, and East Lansing just uh, really just uh, dominated. And I think, unfortunately for the two of them, we had Mister Football candidates in both of those games already in the contest, aside from Tyus. And I think with both of them, the margins of victory that throughout the season have really limited them. I mean, you can look at, at Andrew Anthony's pass catching numbers and go, hmm. But is he in the fourth quarter, you know, running go routes? No. Um, And it's the same thing with Brendan Sullivan. I mean, yeah, he threw six yards, but they ran for 416 as a team after running for 481 the first time they played Grand Blank. Why do you throw the ball? I mean, he ran for, I think, 43 yards and three touchdowns on 11 carries. And, yeah, he's so with, with the way they've been winning games, both teams, you really don't need those guys to go bananas and put up video game numbers. You need, you know, Brendan to call the right plays and hand off to the right people and run a little bit himself and pass every once in a while. And you need Andrell to, so, I mean, sometimes he probably gets used as a decoy. So I think both of those teams have not really faced yet a the truest test that they're going to face. I think you know, with Davison, as they go further in the playoffs, we thought maybe this Grand Blank team, you know, having kind of gotten a lot better since that first meeting with Davison was going to be maybe a, a, the first true test that Davison had gotten. But really, I mean, you look at the scores they put up all season. I they know. have not gotten – it's not been – I don't know that they've been in a game where it's been a game in the fourth quarter. 
Yeah. And it's kind of the same thing with East Lansing. Yeah. I mean, we, when you look at, at Portage Northern had a great regular season and a great season overall, if you take away the two matchups against CAAC teams. Right. Because their one loss in the regular season was against Holt, where Tyus was held out of the end zone and they got shut out. And then this time where they kind of managed to keep him enough in check and yeah, I don't know that we know the ceiling of these two teams yet because we haven't seen them truly tested. They will be. Uh, I think Detroit Catholic Central and Davison should be an interesting matchup uh, in the regionals as that moves forward. Uh, you know, talk about two teams playing with a ton of confidence, both Davison and Detroit Catholic Central. And East Lansing's got Muskegon Mona Shores. So uh, they definitely are are meeting, uh, quote-unquote, their match coming out. Surprising that Caledonia kept it really, really close against Mona Shores. 43-35 to 35 was the final in that one. Uh, and again, I, did, I have not uh, watched the highlights of that yet, so I'm not sure if that was one of those situations where Caledonia maybe got some late scores to make it seem closer. Uh, but both of those matchups moving forward um, would be a couple – couple of the premier ones that we would have when playoffs resume. I just checked. Uh, yeah, I think. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Matt. Go ahead. I was going to say, I just, I was just going to say, oh. it's all good. Go uh, ahead, I, I, I was just going to say that Caledonia and Forest Hills Eastern have been kind of the West side of the state's version of Romeo and Oak Park because yeah. both of them had forgettable regular seasons, but really have, I mean, I think I've picked against Caledonia every single week and up I until now. And for, yeah, I think I picked against Forest Hills Eastern every single week, and they've won every single week. Right. So it's it's one where you know they they with 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 the Caledonia game, it was a lot of Brady Rose as you would would expect. He ran for 115 yards and two touchdowns, and then he he did kind of a Rocco Melia where they had a botch snap on a PAT, picked it up as the holder and ran it in for a two point conversion. Had to make 16 tackles from his free safety spot because. Caledonia's Carson Vanderhoff carried the ball 45 times. Wow. Dude needed a, uh, yeah, he needed a Stretcher. massage after that one. Yeah. Just, yeah, that's, so it, it was, it was one where they kept it pretty close throughout the game. But when you have one of those guys like a Brady Rose, you've got the ultimate kind of trump card at the end if you need it. Forest Hills Eastern is getting some great play uh, in the postseason from their quarterback, Cal Doyle. Uh, I mentioned him in, in one of the blogs I got coming out this week on uh, the State Champs Network uh, scout team or Bernie's Bites. I'm not yeah, sure our website. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I just double-checked uh, on my um, my Dan Ron meter from uh, the new head coach at uh, uh, at DLS. Four state championships at West Catholic. Um, obviously, they were at a lower in a lower division, but guys got a championship pedigree and mm-hmm. coming into a program that already has a championship pedigree, it really was only a matter of time. Um and, he, and he's got those pilots uh, primed right now. Yeah, again, there were a lot of teams that um, we're used to seeing go far in the playoffs win. I know I picked against a few, uh, but, you know, when you think of, of schools like Montague and Montrose, Jackson, Lumen, Christie uh, winning, uh, winning big, you know. Uh, so re- more great quarterbacks to shout out. Montrose is Bobby Skinner, mm-hmm. you know, one of the grittiest quarterbacks that you don't know about. I think he's a four-year starter and it's just – uh, tore up the record books at Montrose. Yeah. Um, 
Who was the other team you mentioned? Oh, Jackson uh, Lumen Christie. Yeah. Teddy Teddy Allers is playing really well right. at quarterback. Obviously, you got Coach Brogan there on the yep. sidelines. That's a big X factor. Yep, yep. Uh, East Grand Rapids is is still alive. They've uh, you know they beat a a, a gritty Thornapple Kellogg who uh, was you know was still around, but they won in convincing fashion. You've got Dewitt still rolling. Uh, they had a big forty three nothing win. Um, was surprised to see Flint Kearsley take care of Linden. Uh, but they did win that game. They have the best and, quarterback in, in, in the Flint area. Yeah. Braylon Silvis uh, is, is electricity personified, super underrated, lightning in the bottle type, uh, does it you know, both with his, with his arm and his feet and has been doing it for three years, just kind of playing at Kearsley. All due respect to Kearsley, but yeah. you just don't get a lot of pub uh, if you're a football player at Kearsley. No. Yeah, he threw for 230 and three touchdowns. He ran the ball for 120 and two more touchdowns. He has 19 touchdowns in the last two weeks, as I kind of put a mea culpa on Twitter a little earlier today when I saw his stat line roll past that uh, I, I was ashamed that I hadn't believed in him. But that, that's that's the first district in school history. So when, when we're talking about that, you mentioned Johannesburg Lewis done a little yeah. earlier in the rundown yeah. of games. Yeah. That yeah. was one where – They'd had great regular seasons and great playoff runs, and they had always ended against Beale City. I even had a little bit of inside knowledge that Beale was missing a couple of kids. But that's one of those where sometimes you know those kids going into the game have that mindset of, oh, man, this is the team that always kills us. And sometimes that is as much of a factor as who's actually on the field. But good for Joburg that they got past it. Sheldon Huff is a kid. They've got their power back who's run for over 1,000 yards. A kid is a tackling machine on defense, so it's good to see them. And I always pay a little bit of attention to it because my dad grew up in Lewiston, so that's okay. one of those that I kind of look at as as you know one of the one of the places I always pay attention to. But you like to see kind of sometimes because Beale City is one of those teams that's always there too. It's good sometimes to see those teams that kind of get their first chance to get a, a district title. I was sold on I was I was sold on Silvis. Uh, after last year's playoff win against Rice, yeah, when I saw him do that, I was like, okay, he's not just a little cute little story from 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 no nowhere, Flint Kearsley. Yeah, a couple other powers that uh, continue to uh, roll along. Uh, we'll have a good matchup when Grand Rapids South Christian takes on Edwardsburg uh, in Division Four. Edwardsburg blanks pop off forty three to nothing. Let me, let me make one note about what's going on at South Christian right now because I just discovered it. Go ahead. They made a quarterback shift because of a, an injury, and they've given it uh, the reins to a sophomore named Jake DeHaan. And DeHaan is lit. I mean, on fire right now. I think yeah. he's got like 15 put, yeah. uh, touchdowns in the last three weeks. Okay. And he's a 15-year-old kid that I believe was the JV quarterback and is now firmly establishing himself as the future of the South Christian offense and is just you know playing as well at that position as anyone is in the state. Well, there you go. They beat uh, Hamilton 56 to 14. So uh, that will be interesting uh, how that breaks out. You know, staying in Division 4, Milan got another win. We've, we were used to seeing Milan uh, continue to chug along in the playoffs. Country Day uh, wins again. They they beat an unbeaten uh, Madison Heights Lamphere team. North Branch continues to roll. They beat Ortonville Brandon 47 to 28. So North Branch and Country Day will get together when things resume. So that will be interesting. We've got some really interesting uh, regionals uh, 
that will be taking place. Uh, and Montague and Montrose, as I mentioned, in six will now play. Uh, Warren Michigan Collegiate just continues yeah. to destroy everyone that steps in front of them. You were uh, giving them props last yeah, week. Oh, yeah, you have to. I mean, from a, for a charter school to literally just uh, pummel yeah. everyone who's, who sets in front of them, uh, intri- a, a state championship will be coming at some point. They have an intriguing quarterback prospect as well. He's a junior, about 6'4". His name's Dion Black. I've just learned about him myself. Um, so I think he's one of those diamond-in-the-rough uh, type kids, kind of like Anthony Garrett was last year, at the Loyola quarterback, um, who's starting to get some some Division One looks. But uh, look out for Dion uh, Dion Black. He's playing pitch and catch with uh, the the Collegians one NFL player right now, Tio Redding. His little brother is catching passes from from Dion Black. Okay. Well, and speaking of Detroit Loyola, uh, I really thought that Bishop Foley would give them a much better matchup in this one, but it kind of goes to show you Loyola played a tough schedule. Uh, I mean, they really went up against uh, some of the cream of the crop in the Catholic League. Garrett threw for 275 against Catholic Central, even though they got pummeled in the loss. Right, right. But they won this one 50-8, but now they've got new, new Lothrop. Coming up next, and uh, New Lothrop just about, continues to show. We know about that lineage. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. They they beat Bath fifty six to twelve. So two teams that put up fifty uh, will be going at it uh, when we do uh, resume. Uh, so you know, again, uh, I just think it, things are are playing out really exciting. Um, it's really going to be interesting to see you know what's going to happen because of this layoff when teams finally do get back. Uh, into action and how that affects them. So that means time will tell uh, when we're, uh, you know, what will happen when when things get back. But uh, we'll be looking forward to it when we get there. Hey, uh, I need to take a quick break, and that is to promote the Michigan High School Athletic Association Scholar Athlete Award. So just listen to this. Nearly 2,000 of the state's top student athletes will be recognized for excelling academically and in school activities through the MHSAA's Scholar Athlete Award, underwritten by Farm Bureau Insurance. The applicants will be in the running for a total of 32 $1,000 college scholarships. Application materials are available exclusively online through the MHSAA website. A message from the Michigan High School Athletic Association promoting the value and values of educational athletics. And we're back here. We are in our final segment here of State Champs Michigan's Extra Point Podcast. Uh, And whether we do one next week, I think we should. Uh, we'll have something we could talk about. I'll, I'll think of something that we can get to. Maybe we'll 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 shout out our primetime performers from this year and kind of relive some of the games that have taken place uh, in the uh, uh, this season. Because uh, again, we did get nine weeks, uh, but we want to end talking uh, about the state champs, Mister Football, and Anvil Award presented by Hungry Howies. And we kind of uh, already kind of alluded a little bit to uh, some outstanding performances that that we saw. Uh, this week, uh, this weekend, I was mentioning Damon Payne, and and we talked about some some watch list and guys think, and some guys. And go ahead. I'm, so let's say the possible front runners on both sides of the ball. I use those terms lightly, mm-hmm. but Damon Payne, you referenced. Yeah. Uh, in terms of uh, Anvil Award, I'm, I'm talking Anvil Award. And, yeah. and Mr. Football. Yeah, yeah. We can start with the Anvil. We'll keep it. We'll so, keep it to there. You know, Payne is the number one recruited player in the state. Going to Alabama, only played half the game, right? Didn't play in the third and fourth quarter. No, I, I. I I would say he probably played some in the third, but not a okay. lot. Because Donnie Edwards did not play in the yeah. he had he had those six touchdowns, 150 yards, yeah. and didn't play in the in the yeah, second half. It's crazy. So. Yeah. No, it's wild. And again, uh, Andrew Anthony came to play. He had a nice touchdown uh in the game and uh, you know, 
was able to do it again. Do read um, just continuing to what he's just a video game. What he's been doing for four uh, years. It's been crazy. Obviously, what De- DeWitt did just by looking at the points. I haven't seen the highlights, but uh, Ty Holtz obviously leading that attack, and uh, and they are not uh, shutting down anytime soon. Brady Rose, again, fantastic. DJ Stepney, I think he deserves to stay in the race, uh, regardless of the fact that uh, that they lost a week ago. Uh, Brendan Sullivan, you know, what are you going to say? They 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 just came out and we're just we're just killing it. Jace Jace Williams, um, where are they? Grand where, Rackers, they had a they forfeit. had a forfeit they, win. Okay, over that's Portland. right. Yeah. They had a forfeit yeah. win. I mean, a forfeit win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we yep. didn't so get he's still in. Yeah, he's still in. Uh, and and Caden Woodall, just based on what he did this year, um, beast mode. Yeah, I mean, is is insane. Uh, you know, and and the thing to understand is that if you win the vote, you are in the final four. And Rockomelia is still racking up the votes at an amazing clip. But yeah, had, I'm telling you, even though he, he has twenty four thousand votes in two weeks, even though he did not, play, who has hacked our system? I think really should be the question we ask. I'm kidding. Even though he hasn't played, I feel like that. Lost by his team this yeah. week kind of puts some some checks in the boxes for him in terms of what a, what a major factor he was for that team to have the success that they had. Well, if you read Matt's bio in the Mr. Football Award, his first line says, if the Mr. Football Award is supposed to honor those who impact games, yeah. it's hard to argue that Melia hasn't been one of the most impactful playmakers in the state this season. And that is very yeah. true. And I actually covered that Chelsea Brother Rice game. And it okay. just seemed like the Brother Rice offense, and you're right, they needed to stick with the running game a little bit more than they did. They kind of got away from that in the second half. I think they yeah. only ran two or three times. And they were trying to, and they, they finally started moving the ball right at the very, their very last drive. But they were crying out for a big play. And really the only big play that, that either side came up with was the Chelsea defense in – and then late in the first quarter, got a strip sack that set them up right on the doorstep. And Trent Hill, Nick Hill's little brother, punched it in. Chelsea didn't really blow it away. I think they ended up with 197 yards of offense. And they just kind of they, – they had taken what the lessons they learned from that back-and-forth game they'd had with South Lion East a week earlier and really ratcheted things down on defense. But, yes, that game was crying for something, somebody to make a play – to change the tide of it, and Rice just never got that. Yeah, um, I'm, it, it's. I don't know if we're going to have a change in our Mister Football race. To be honest, because uh, again, just looking at it, um, it's going to be. It, it, we'll have to do the numbers and and, and really look at uh, uh, some other people that uh, you know. We do get emails uh, from fans and things that that uh, believe we should consider people to race over to the Anvil Award side. It's a little more different. Uh, again, you mentioned an amazing player that's getting it done at Romeo uh, that should be considered for Mike this award. Yep, we have, you know, um, Ruquan Buckley, who has been, you know, they lost early. Uh, so, you know, whether he stays in the competition or not, he's going to have an From amazing w- career moving forward. Yep, yep. Uh, I got to see Jamari Budden play again in person this year. Uh, you know, he's at, in, the, in that linebacker. Fierce, um, fierce yep. performer, sideline to sideline. No doubt about it, and he played very well uh, in the game. You know, Clarkston lost early. Rocco Spindler's got the vote, but, you know, Garrett Gellinger, Dellinger not being available to play uh, anymore as dominant as he is. Uh, Giovanni Ohadi goes out down this weekend uh, for Sterling Heights-Stevenson. Uh, King you know, Brothers or Kobe? We have Kobe King, man. 
We do not. We do not have him. So definitely um, should be on the watch list. I'm yeah, there, there's they, they, the King brothers in general. Uh, you know, are just like so these, disruptive. Yes, exactly. It's uh, you almost feel like like you have to create special categories uh, for for players like these because they could be in both. Yeah. <laughs> they could be both on Mr. Football and in the Anvil. Uh, yeah, I think it's something that um, we, we have to do some serious uh, thinking about uh, moving forward here. Um, you know, Josh Thompson lost uh, last week. Uh, the Fenton, although he's he was one of you know Coach Beckler's favorites uh, coming in, so he he probably will stay. His, in. his technique was outstanding, mm-hmm. great footwork, and mm-hmm. I can see why the uh, coach Fitz over at Northwestern wants to bring him into the fold. He's just perfectly suited for uh, for Big Ten line play. And I'll tell you, Traverse City Central got another big win. Uh, this weekend, yep. so uh, Carson Briggs doing his thing yep. for them, and uh, they got the uh, well. When we resume, mm-hmm. they'll be running into the uh, John Harrington crew, or the Coach Hursting crew, however you want to refer to them, uh, over at North Farmington. And uh, this is as far as a North Farmington team has been in the playoffs <laughs> since the Carter administration, nineteen seventy-eight. Since right, the playoffs started. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so yeah, the South Lion had to forfeit, so North Farmington got that buy. So they will have uh, a minimum of four to five weeks off before, between playoff games. So yeah, that's rough. But um, uh, yeah, good on TCC. Uh, you know, I know, I, I think you'd pick Midland uh, to win that one, Matt. And uh, I had to. Yeah, I know you do. Uh, it was a good game, thirty to twenty-two. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like it could have gone either way. Uh, but uh, but again. Um, we'll see what happens with with the anvil with Mr. Football. We'll we'll make those decisions later in the week and get those uh, those videos out as we freeze our top tens this week. It's almost appropriate that we have the pause. That's when we freeze, uh, and you know that will stay a top ten. Continue to vote, uh, continue continue to support your guy, and we will have uh, our final four after the state semifinals, whenever that is. So we'll find out. So all right, guys. Uh, appreciate uh, both Matt Mallory, Scott Bernstein being here for another edition of State Champs Extra Point. And uh, this is the Michigan Football Podcast. We also have one that uh, uh, our friends Greg Rigstra and Bob Stambazzi do in Indiana called the Indiana Extra Point Podcast. You should check that out. Their heavyweight champ went down uh, this past week. Carmel, who is the yes. 6'8", defending state champs, mm-hmm. got popped by uh, upstart Ben Davis. Normally yeah. a state power, but yes. didn't have a great regular season. And yeah. uh, Ben Davis is making a run. Absolutely. And and they're still playing football in Indiana. Uh, and for those of you who, you know, maybe you're in a Michigan bubble and you don't realize that state champs is also in Ohio and also in Indiana. We've got state finals in Ohio this week. Uh, we already had one state final, and uh, that was a, a pretty impressive uh, win by uh, St. Xavier uh, over uh, what? Huh? Picker- I was, I was going to say Pickerington. Pickerington Central. Uh, was the team and uh, uh, that was that was that was a great game we've got those highlights on our website right now which you can check out and then again it's semi-states they call them in Indiana so the state semifinals happening uh, in Indiana football so we still have a lot of football content it's not going anywhere uh, so make sure you check that out on the state champs uh, Michigan Ohio or Indiana pages and we also have the state champ scout show which we do every week all of these guys here are involved with that particular program that's recruiting news in indiana ohio and michigan uh that show debuts on wednesdays on the network what i suggest you do is download the app it's free 
Uh, you can watch it on Fire TV or Roku TV, uh, but it's also available on all Android and Apple devices. Uh, that's where we have our full shows. So you can just go and uh, watch the full shows. We've got the best highlights from each one of those states uh, in our football extra point show. We've got the high school sports show, which has got kind of the best of all the other sports uh, going on. So it's a lot of content state champs are pushing out. So make sure you go check it out. All right. I'm Lauren Plant, and we will talk to you next week. We'll be right back.